Greetings from the Long Island Sound podcast. Welcome to the show. Please rate, review, and comment on the show. And call our listener line and leave a message for our guests. Dial 631-800-3579. All right, enjoy the show. Welcome to the Long Island Sound podcast, where we explore the muse and music from the North Shore to the South Shore, from New York City to the Hamptons, on the island of Long here in New York. I'm Steve Yusko from GigDestiny.com. Stay tuned as we explore the Long Island Sound. Have I got an episode for you. This guy is the gig master of the South Shore. And I'm going to introduce you to Dan Donnelly. Dan has been playing out here for decades. He's known from Babylon to Belport. He's quite the nice, humble guy that eh, you just like to listen to. He's got some great stories and some tips on how to get gigs, or at least his approach to it. I think you're going to like it, so stay tuned. Welcome, everybody, to the Long Island Sound Podcast. I'm Steve Yusko, your host, and it's really my pleasure to uh, welcome Dan Donnelly to the program today. I found Dan through a mutual friend who actually said, Dan, I don't know if Dan knows this, was his mentor when he first started out in the business, Eric McCormick. I'm always asking my guests to refer me to some great guests, and uh, Dan is one of the, uh, the top ones that came to his mind. So uh, I want to uh, welcome Dan Donnelly. Welcome, Dan. Thank you, Steve. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, I tell you, it was what I really like about talking to musicians is that we find out where what gave them inspiration. Those who are really collaborative and really uh, welcoming with their art uh, seem to go out and do a lot of different things. And when I was talking to Eric, he was telling me how welcoming you were and what an inspiration you were to him when you guys met at 21 Main, I think he said, was like the first time that uh, he really sang, I guess, as an acoustic soloist out in uh, on public. So I don't know if you remember any of that or, or what comes to mind. Yeah, I mean, I think I think Eric tends to give me a little too much credit because he was already um, talented and doing really well. We had... We were doing alternating Wednesdays at 21 Main. And okay. we, because, you know, we were alternating, we would really not have the ch- too much of a chance to speak, um, except for when we started to run into each other down at JT's on the Bay in, um, in Blue Point when his band, Fez, would play. Ah, uh, yes. We... We finally got to talking because he, um, the the manager at the at Twenty One Main a couple of nights prior to this meeting when at JT's had said to him, "Oh man, Dan did a bang up version of um, Billy Jean by Michael Jackson, but he did it the Chris Cornell way." Uh-huh. And and Eric was like, "Who the f is this Dan Donnelly guy?" Right. So, <laughs> I, I'm playing there on Friday night at down at JT's on the Bay, and those guys and Fez were going to play the next night, and I didn't have a gig the next night, so I want I wanted to go down and see them. 
And then I, I, they're getting set up and I hear them talking and I heard my name and I was like, I'm, I'm Dan Donnelly. Um, and then, you know, from that day, we, we became pretty close friends. And, um, so now I'm an honorary member of Fez as their lead guitarist. Um, probably the only sane one in the group. Uh, <laughs> I can vouch for that. Yeah, for sure. You know, that's, what's great. Cause he said the same thing that you were an honorary uh, member of Fez. And uh, he says, I probably think because one, one became fast friends and that you get a chance to play electric, I think in that group when yeah, you play. That's exactly so right. Let's, let's, uh, let's turn back the pages. Cause I'm always really interested on, what inspired you? What, what what made you think you could pick up an instrument and play? And, you know, when, when did it come to you early in life? What, what, what really kind of inspired you to move into the direction of becoming a, a musician? I, well, you know what, growing up as I did, I had a very diverse household. Uh, my father and mother were both born in uh, New York city. And, um, they moved us out here in the late 60s out into, uh, we were in Oakdale at the time, but there was always yeah. uh, always music playing in the house. Um, my father, which oddly enough for a New York Irish guy, loved country and Western music and opera. And my my mother loved pop music and doo-wop and stuff like that. So there was all kinds of diverse music being played in the house at all times. Basically what inspired me to start was I saw the movie A Hard Day's Night for the first time. Okay. And I, I you know, I saw that. And I had I had heard the Beatles before. I was very young. Uh, saw the movie and I was like, oh, that's so cool. That's what I want to do. And um, <laughs> so for my 12th birthday, my uh, parents got me uh, 10 guitar lessons. Okay. And uh, nice. that, that came, that, you know, when you're first learning and you're that age, it's like 10 guitar lessons is, is, barely a scratch right so i took the lessons and then uh, i really just started to uh, hang around with older musicians who were better than i was and learn from them nice you know what i find interesting i can't tell you how many interviews i've had or conversations and a lot of it comes back to either elvis the everly brothers for people our age you know uh, in late 50s early 60s and the Beatles, you know, and, and the cool, the coolness factor, you know, it's either, Hey, I want to be able to get girls, uh, maybe at 12. I don't know if that was in your mind at that point. It certainly was in my mind. Uh, however, I took piano lessons and that wasn't really too cool. Uh, and you can't carry the piano around. <laughs> yeah. Guitar traveled so much better. <laughs> so, so you had, you had this diverse influences of sounds coming in the house did mom or dad play an instrument do you have siblings that play any instruments my parents didn't my brother and i are first generation musicians in our family uh he's a drummer younger or older he's uh older okay and he he plays i I think eric was telling me about a band that you guys put together now we we can get we can get into the bands a little bit later so you had a you had a brother that played so that's kind of great it had to be an interesting dynamic Playing, playing with a sibling, you know, maybe it's something that bonds you. Maybe it's something you fight over. Um, I don't know. How was it for you? Um, no, it was always good for us. Yeah. We, I mean, uh, you are you are Irish, so I expected some sort of fighting. At <laughs> yeah, you know, you fight, you cry, you fight, you cry, and have a beer. <laughs> boy. No, no, it's always been good. I mean, we've we've played together, you know, our whole lives, and still wow. continue to, you know, on occasion. Nice, nice. But much like piano, drums don't travel well. 
for a you know acoustic uh, gig. So he does a lot of freelance work with bands. Right. We got to get him a beatbox. That's the only thing that makes uh, uh, drummers a little percussionists a little bit more portable out there. You know. Yeah. True. Which is, which is, which is a cool thing. So, I, my, I'll give you my first impressions. Uh, we, by the way, uh, for full disclosure, we've never met. No. Uh, until, until now. And I appreciate you taking the risk with me, um, no matter what Eric says. So I appreciate that. <laughs> but, um, you know, I'm looking at your schedule and I'm saying to myself, either this guy is not married. Okay. Or he's retired and has all the time. Man, you're, you're like a, you're like, I, Eric called it a, uh, he said, you're a gig whore. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the right description. Um, and it was, <laughs> I, I, say that, I say that with love, by the way. Yeah, uh, of course. <laughs> but no, no, I actually, I, um, I work a full-time job in a day and um, I am married. I have four kids. They're all in their twenties. All right. So you found time for a few things. Yeah. So, um, but I let, I love to play. So I, I booked, you know, lots and lots of gigs. I did five in a row last week. Oh my God. Fortunately, um, I made it to the last one. Cause I was actually a little bit worried about how the quality of my voice was going to be after, you know, four nights doing it prior, but actually it turned out to be uh, really good. Um, it was a nice short gig and it was earlier in the daytime. So I was mm-hmm. able to actually go out Saturday night and see Eric play. Oh, cool. Yeah. I, I ran into Eric uh, years ago. It's in, he was in the other podcast and, and my wife, in fact, was in Oakdale at the, the view. And we were just enamored with, with his talent and said, wow, this is just, you're not, this is not your normal guy, a real, a real vocalist, you know, a really oh, a, yeah. a, a guy had a, his, uh, his fine instrument is, is his voice. Um, cause his guitar playing sucks. I don't know <laughs> he, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Cause I know he's gonna, he's gonna, he's gonna be listening to this and that's the kind of way I draw him in. So, uh, tell me about some of the places that you've played. So you're, you're from the South Shore or out east or where are you from? I'm I'm on the South Shore in Bayport. Okay. Oh yeah, sure. So I I would say you I think you were going to ask me about some of the places that I played. Yeah, that- yeah, 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 yeah. Tell me tell me about some of the dives and some of the. I have an idea of some of the places you played, but I'm interested to hear from you. Yeah. Um, I mean your favorites. I yeah. I mean I like to. Um, I played all the JT's places because he and I are are we've been friends for like 15, 16 years now. So mm-hmm. I, I kind of, I'm kind of lucky to get a lot of work there. And that's my, my Friday nights are spent at one of his three places. Mm-hmm. And um, in the summer, it's every Friday down at the Bay, which is beautiful because, you know, you get a nice, you know, watch the sunset, you have a cocktail, you like me, yeah. good food. It's everybody has a great time. And the food is phenomenal. The food is phenomenal at yeah. all those places. Absolutely. True indeed. Um, but then I'll pick up like different types of gigs. Like I like, I like consistency. So I, I try and search for rotational work, something that okay. like a like to uh, what is it Tuesday tomorrow doing um, playing at off the block kitchens and meats, which sounds like a weird kind of menu uh, right. because it's it's half restaurant half butcher shop oh cool um, all right but i mean top top quality meats right um and then i play from six to eight and um they have a beer and a burger special all the food is gourmet i come in and i, I do a two-hour set i don't even take a break and then right. i'm home by eight thirty, so it's a beautiful thing i know a lot of the uh 
a lot of the younger musicians, they'll like, they don't mind traveling. Um, I, in my early days, I was on the road for about two years straight. So yeah. that, that got out of my blood to, to travel far. So a lot of the younger folks that, that I know are, that are in the circuit are kind of like, you know, they'll take a lot of the Riverhead gigs or the West Hampton Beach gigs or things like that. Because to be honest with you, I just don't want to travel. And I, got yeah. enough, I have enough work locally so that, um, you know, it frees, up, um, it frees up venues for those guys as well. Yeah, what's, what, what I find interesting is obviously a lot of the young, and we do have a lot of young singer-songwriters who are looking for the secret source of, you know, how do I get gigs? How does he do it? You know, what makes him get gigs, you know, and I can't. Or uh, Eric had said, you know, in the beginning when you're first out hitting the circuit, you, you take everything, you know, the American Legion Hall, whatever, and you're all over the place. But there might be something to be said about working a local neighborhood, so to speak. I mean, there's thousands of neighborhoods on Long Island. But, you know, if you concentrate on the South Shore, you get to be known, uh, I think, in different circles of people. And uh, it may be, and I'm speculating here, it may be, hey, you know what, with drinking and driving, my wife and I, we have three beers and we're a mile away from Babylon Village. We're Ubering home. Oh, do we like to go to Patchogue and, and, and the different places? Yeah, we'll take the train. And, and we'll, we'll Uber from there, but we don't really extend ourselves out because of the risk, you know, coming back. So, yeah, I, I totally agree with you on that. You know, so let me ask you, uh, if you're willing to share this, what's your secret to getting so many gigs? I mean, was it, was it, was it, yeah. What is it? Number one is persistence. A lot of these venues, they have people knocking on their doors every day. And at first it was like that for me, uh, you know, my first, my very first, venture into solo acoustic was about i say about 15 or 16 years ago where i i went to a, a local pub in sable it was owned by a gentleman named jimmy butler who is a retired fdny guy who has mm -hmm. become a very close friend of mine and um i gave him a cd and i said hey can you take a listen to this and let me know if you would be interested in having me play here sometime and so he said, all right, I'll give it a listen. And, uh, you know, I gave him my number and such. And um, what basically happened at that point was he listened to the CD with his brother, Pat. And his brother, Pat, was like, Jimmy, you got to get this guy in here. Oh, nice. So I did, it was like a seven song demo that I did where I did like um, some Jethro Tull, some Stone Temple Pilots, um, you know, all over the map basically. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, um, so Jimmy calls me back and he's like, all right, listen, do me a favor. We're having a um, fight against breast cancer benefit on such and such a date. Can you come down and play an hour for me? Donate some of your time. And I was like, of course, especially for a cause like that. Yeah, absolutely. So I came down, I played a little over an hour and then he just started booking me every other Friday for a happy hour. And, um, so I took that same approach with a restaurant that was called Oysterman's at the time, uh, mm -hmm. which is now Bistro Long Island in Sable. Took the same approach and then just started looking for more and more places to try and work. I think the, the secret to my success in that is that I'm very, very professional. I show up on time. I take, right. provide you know quality sound, take short breaks and develop a relationship with the owners. So like if we, for example, if we have a, if it's someplace that I've played on a regular basis and I've become friendly with the owners and the staff, 
which I like to do. I like to, you know, learn everybody's name and all that. Mm -hmm. kind of thing. And then um, if there happens to be a particularly slow night, then, you know what, cut me loose, you know, cut me loose early, save some money. Right. You know? So I won't hard, hard line them on a full pay if we're having a particularly slow night and it just works, help create the, the business relationship. Right. That It's interesting that you say that because, you know, I'll play devil's advocate because I've heard stories of, uh, you know, there are nefarious guys out there who will put it up forth. Hey, give me a free night. And if I like you, I'll pay you the next time we call on you uh, and really try to take advantage of you. But I think I, I believe very truly if you put goodwill out there, uh, it'll 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 pay dividends in the long run. But the consistency is there. And I think now. I have this feeling because I've, I've been trying to get my friends gigs here and there, and it's it's a full-time persistent job, uh, and I have a full-time job outside of this. So uh, now with the light at the end of the tunnel, as far as us being to be unmasked and people gathering, I think there's kind of a backlog. Uh, at least I can just tell you personally, you know, I always go to listen to live music, both my, my wife and I, but I think there's a great demand there. But you got to work with the venue owner. You know, they, they're, they're hurting. I mean, a lot of these places went out of business, you know. That's true. And, and the people that I spoke to, I'll give you an example. I won't say the name of the place right here in Babylon. I get, had given a flyer for a friend of mine who got back in the business after many years. And he's like, hey, we're just, he, I, I felt embarrassed. He's like, oh, I wish I could do it. We're just making it. And you know what? A week ago, I'd happen to be in this place with my wife, and he came up and he goes, "Hey, I ran, you know, I saw that flyer you gave me." He goes, "We're definitely going to do something with your guys," and I was just, I, I felt good about it. But there has to be that give and take. I mean, the money's, you know, not always flowing out. And if you, if you're kind of, you're that kind of businessman, and you're empathetic to the venues. Uh, operator situation but wary of the kooky guys that are out there i think you'll do well you know yeah i i would tend to agree with that there was I, I personally have never been in that type of situation a friend of mine has he had gone to play at this place that i don't even know if it exists anymore but the owner of the place basically uh told him at the end of the night after he was done playing that he was like that's your audition and i i don't really like you so i'm not paying you Oh my God. Really crummy thing to do. And the guy that it happened to is, is a very nice guy, non confrontational. So it was a it was a real slap in the face for him. And um, you know, I think the only times that it's gotten even close to that stuff is that um if somebody asks me for an audition, I'll I'll just be like, No, nah, I, I I'm a well established presence in this community and um I I will not audition. Now if you come up to me with a an event like with a like a, a cause of some sort. A couple of years ago, I did a a free night of music at um, I think it was Lily Flanagan's in, in uh, Babylon, and mm -hmm. it was for a friend of mine. Her husband's uh, as well as my son. Uh, they're both NYPD, so okay. she put together an event to support the the efforts of the of the PD called um, Silver Shield Foundation. So like I donated a, you know a full night of time for that. So those kinds of things I'll do, but for, for anything else, it's like, you know, unless it's something, a charity I respect, uh, I'm not going to audition for anyone. Right. You yeah. kind of cheapen, you can, you can cheapen yourself when you, when you do that. You know, I've, I've, I've spoken to venue operators where they have, like you said, a lot of people on knocking on their doors and they're saying, uh, you know, do you have a card? 
Uh, can you point to your music? Oh, not really. You know, and that immediately turns the venue operator off. Hey, they're not professional. They're approaching it professionally. But I think also you made a good point in that you're consistent. You deliver a very good product. You're friendly. You take the time to learn people's names. I can't tell you how valuable that is because guess what? When you're done with your night and that waiter or the maitre d' or something, yeah, you know, they're, they're going to be your cheerleaders after the fact when the venue operator is making their decision to have you come back, you know, because uh, they don't, they may hear the music. They may, may not see always the interaction that you have with your audience and how you fit. You have to fit into the venue. You know, you have to compliment, help, help keep people in the seat, so to speak. Um, uh, I think that's key. What we're going to do is we're going to take a, a quick break. And when we come back, I want to talk about my namesake, Stephen's Talk House, when we come back. Stick with us. Everything's going to be okay. The new album by Mike Nugent and the Blue Moon Band. Check it out on Spotify, Apple Music, and all major platforms. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Steve Yusko from Gig Destiny, your host. You're listening to the Long Island Sound, and you're listening or my guest today is probably one of the hardest working guys, I think, in music. If you look at his Facebook page, a guy named Dan Donnelly. And Dan, what I'm really interested in, what musicians, what artists kind of inspire you? Who do you listen to? Well, um, I kind of always feel like I'm pretty much stuck in the 70s. That was my, my favorite era for music because... Having that diverse musical background growing up, it also really steered my listening too. So, you know, as I mentioned, I you know I love the Beatles, and at the end of the day, they're probably my favorite band. But as I started to get more and more experienced as a guitar player, my tastes started shifting. So I started listening to um, like a, a lot of Yorma and Hot Tuna, and then when I found Yes, that just Steve Howe just blew my mind. In fact, I, I blame him for why I have so many guitars because everything he he played was just amazing. And and I think as a guitar player, he probably had the the biggest effect on my guitar playing life and the just the style of music that they were doing. Uh, it was, you know, very it was like or, almost orchestral in a way, the way it was right. constructed and uh, really well thought theme and variation, um, you know, just a lot of really cool stuff. But then as I started to get yet a little bit older, having now been introduced to older and more experienced musicians, started to get into things like John McLaughlin, the Mahavishnu Orchestra, Al DiMiola, Weather Report, and just going in a completely different direction. The Dixie Dregs was one of my, you know, I couldn't get enough listening to the Dixie Dregs. Um, <laughs> Every time they would come to Long Island, we'd, we'd go see them play. But we started getting into that music. And as a result of that, we put together an original band when I was about 16. We were called Stratus, which was named after a Billy Cobham song. And we decided that we were going to be our own little fusion band. And we just wrote a whole bunch of instrumentals. And this, the funniest thing about that whole thing was that we were so, so committed to it. Right. We actually won a local battle of the bands where... The other three bands were playing stuff like Skinner and Zepp and, you know, yep. classics. And we go up there with all original music, all instrumental, and we actually won it. Oh, you know, man. I think because we were, like, very tight and, you know, so committed to the music. It was it, it was just 
incredible. That's 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 amazing. You know, let's talk about the '70s because that's the era that I grew up in, and and I got influenced by my. I have older sisters, and you know, I listened to their albums. That's that's the influence that I got. And between, I had twin sisters who uh, one was a Beach Boys uh, fan, and the other one was a Beatles fan. Mm-hmm. So I had those two record collections to to pull from. But you do you have a band called Albums We Love, and I found that so intriguing. Why don't you tell our audience a little bit about? what you've conquered and, and, and how you took approach that, how did that come to be? Oh, that, that was, um, uh, we've been doing that for like 10 years now, I think where mm. we only book a handful of shows per year, but the, the idea came from my brother, the idea being that we would have this kind of revolving door band where other musicians from other bands or other acts or whether they be solo or duo, or what we get together once a year and we, we pick out a classic album to play from start to finish, just like as if you were to put it on your turntable. Nice. And um, where it came about was it was the first one, I think the first one we did, I think it was the 25th anniversary of the re- release of Peter Gabriel's So album. Okay. So we got together uh, a band of seven musicians, you know, a couple of guitar players, um, singers, bass, keys, drums, and we learned the whole album. We figured it was going to be a one-off. Right. Get a gig, have some fun. Well, we played it at a place in Patchogue, and um, we we did the show, and it was um, it, it just it took off. It was really just amazing the reception that we got from doing that, and it, that's kind of you know there's a couple of really big hits on that album, but there's a couple of really weird tunes too, you know. Right. Right. Um, so we we thought about it. We were like, you know what, that was a lot of fun we should maybe do that once a year. So what we did was um, we got together that band and we decided, okay, well next year we would normally get together in November and pick out an album. And um, so the following year we did Fleetwood Max Rumors album. Started uh, yeah. One of my favorite. Yeah. It's a great album. Every single song on it. Right. And then um, after that, we did um, Zep four. We did. With the same group of people or different now, different people rolling in and out? It was, we would down one guitar player, but we brought in a um, a married couple who are both singers and guitar players. That year was new for them. And the, the band from the year before was still the same with the exception of the leaving of one guitarist and the adding of those two. They would be great to have on, on this as well. So, um, Michelle Martin, oh, Steve Lucas. Oh, yeah, I know them. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, I've seen them at JT's Cafe. I'll tell a quick story about Steve. At one point, he worked in the UPS store here in Babylon Village. And you know when you see somebody out of context, you know, I'm like, I know this guy from – and sure enough, it, it was Steve. Martin Lucas. Martin and Lucas. Yep, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, okay, great. Yeah, I'd love to have him. I was just talking – it's kismet. I was just talking to Eric about that this afternoon Yeah. Uh, about having them. So now they definitely have to be on. Yeah. Hey, just bring me back because I found this very interesting. Is you've got a, it's a different idea. So you approach you approach this theater and say, "I've got an idea." What do you What do you think made them say yes? I mean, you know, they know you guys. Did Did you have a reputation? Well, I mean, it's a risk, right? Oh yeah, they, absolutely. You're not a, you're not a tribute band. A, I mean, this is the era of the tribute bands, and I'm not saying that despairingly. Uh, but when you did it, it was kind of new. Yeah, I mean, we we are not a traditional tribute band in any sense. We don't dress up like the players or anything like that. We uh, just it's all about the music for us. And um, 
when we played at the Patchogue Theater, there was a guy who was pretty high up on the chain in terms of who they booked. And we he's been coming to see us play. Ah, uh, okay. You know, so the first thing we did there was we did um, a double bill. Actually, it was a triple bill, now that I think about it. A really great guy and guitarist named Eddie Ayala um, started off the show with a lot of Jethro Tull acoustic kind wow. of stuff. So Tull... And then the next band came on. Actually, no, we came on next. And we did Led Zepp 4, start to finish. What a blast, because it was like this lights and sound. It's like, it was just great. And then there was a, the band that ended the show, they did um, the entire Dark Side of the Moon album. So it was, oh, like, wow. it was just a really good, you know, mixing of, of the, all the talents and whatnot. And um, out of an 1,100-seat theater, all of us being virtually unknown, we actually sold 900 plus tickets. So oh, that's uh, great. Yeah, it's what what a great event that that takes you to. Hey, yeah. I want to ask you this. Go, I mentioned it before the break. Tell me a story about uh, Stephen Stephen's Talk House out in Amagansett. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, back in, let me think. What year was it? It was before my twins were born, so that would be probably back around 1995, 96. I was. Uh, I was a bass player with a, an R&B band, a really big R&B band, sometimes as large as 13 members, depending on the night. Um, full of horn section and everything called the Hackensack Men and the Trenton Horns. And they're still around today. And they're, they're a lot of fun, great, you know, jump blues and R&B. Mm-hmm. So we, we had a monthly rotation at um, Stephen's Hawkhouse. And what was really cool about that is that, yeah, we got to, we got to play with some really good people. The, the way they structured it was that um, the headlining act would play from 8 to 10. And then we'd go on from like 11.30 to 3 o'clock in the morning or something like that. Okay. But the, the fun part about it was that we also got to share the dressing room with the headliners. <laughs> so we got to meet some really interesting people. I, I met Clarence Clemens out there. His band was playing and he had just fractured. He had a stress fracture. So... Um, he was sitting upstairs when they were done with their show. He's just giant of a man. Oh, I can uh, imagine. Just like s- sweating profusely, sitting in this crackled leather chair with a bottle of Jack Daniels. And we, we, we head upstairs and where he's just like, he welcomes us. Sweetheart of a man. Welcomes mm-hmm. us up there. Offers us some Jack Daniels. We were like, thanks, Clarence, so much. But you're done playing. We're just getting started. So <laughs> kind of keep our, our minds focused here. But he was great. We got to meet Buster Poindexter. Oh wow! He was an interesting guy. Hot, um, hot, hot. Yeah, <laughs> he was. In, wasn't he in the New York Dolls? Yeah. Yep. David yeah. Johansson. David Johansson, right? His alter ego. Right? Yeah. So we we saw some great, great music out there. That was the, actually out there one night. We played with this band called Beausoleil, which is a traditional New Orleans band that does like Zydeco and and you know Acadian music. Um, and oh my God, you could you couldn't not dance to this music. It was so infectious. It was I, that following Monday, I found their greatest hits album and bought it. But I think the 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 most memorable thing for me was Larry Carlton was playing out there, and we were he was the opening, not the opening, but the, the featured headliner, and we were lucky enough to get booked with him, and. He did his show, and uh, naturally, he played beautifully. Um, went upstairs, and we were able to finally go upstairs. And um, I met him. Such a nice man. So personable. And wow. um, 
we didn't talk at about guitars at all or music for that matter. We talked about like at the time. This, now this was literally weeks before my twins were born, so I was I had a beeper at the time. Uh, no cell phone, no nothing. Just waiting right. that you know that call. And, and you're and you're out in Amagansett. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, so oh, okay. Oh like boy. One and a half, two hours away. A little, so, a little risky. Yeah. So ner- nervous, nervous wife, right? Yeah. So I, I keep checking, and he's like, "Hey, man, is everything okay?" And I was like, "Yeah, no, I'm a, I'm about to become a father again, and we're expecting twins, and you know, it's pretty much any day now." So we wound up speaking for about probably almost an hour. And um, we talked about barbecue recipes. We talked about, you know, him moving from L.A. to Nashville, just like regular people stuff. Because, uh, you know, I didn't want to go all fanboy on him and, right. you know, just ask him, you know, stuff that he probably doesn't want to talk about. I just figured let's relate as people. And it was really yeah. nice. Well, I, I tell you, that that seems to be a theme on just the person – the Dan Donnelly I'm getting to know on this, on this, this podcast, that makes sense. You know, it makes sense to just like when you work to get a gig to, to in sales, we call it the warm up. You know, people like to buy from people. People like to have conversations with people that are warm and getting to know each other instead of jumping right into, I loved your stuff. I'm a fan. I'm not worthy. And all that, you know, that, that silliness. Sometimes it's hard to do. Because, you know, when you're in the presence of somebody really, you know, a celebrity, whatever, you can really get kind of gaga in, in, in a goofy way. But then, you know, you, you realize we're just we're just regular people with regular lives. And we just happen to play music. And some of us, some of them, you know, just hit hit the stardom, you know, so that's yeah. that's, kind of, that's, that's kind of cool. Any plans to go back out there at all or um, Stephen Talkhouse? Or- um, you know, it's a bit far. Um- <laughs> now you're getting old. <laughs> yeah, that's that is so true. I it, and it, gas is going up, so yeah, yeah, I can see your point. I'll give you an out. The, um, it's it, it's even a struggle for me to uh, cross Sunrise Highway these days. <laughs> but I'm I'm doing it. I did it uh, last week um, at a place in uh, Bohemia, which was fun because uh, a woman I know who, who I'm very good friends with uh, was guest bartending there, and she's very close friends with the owner. So they wanted to do, um, you know, live music and guest bartender night. So they asked me to play last Thursday, which was a lot of fun. And then, I got to uh, ask, ask you this, Dan. At, at this point in your career, are are you still making phone calls to say, hey, I need to fill this time or that sort of thing? Or, or is it really kind of coming a little bit easier as far as? Oh, it's definitely coming easier. Good for you. Um, because I've been doing it for so long and I'm I'm. I guess I would say I'm kind of a known quantity, right. um, at least in my small patch, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't work much in patch on because it's, to be honest with you, it's just that's, that whole oh, it's, too young. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's crazy town. Yeah. yeah. So you'll find me in like Sable, Oakdale, Blue Point, Bayport, most of the time, you know, I don't really, if I book a party or, or, something like that that you know that's another story altogether but outside of that i think the only things really that we still have to make phone calls like the albums we love band has to we have to make phone sure. calls and find find venues that can number one fit us and uh number two um just have the interest there so and i, I think we might be shifting the concept of that soon we're thinking about other things trying to stay ahead of the curve because of the 
we've been doing that for a long time now and we're starting to see a lot of bands kind of take up the, the same concept so take up the same oxygen yeah yeah so i think we're going to probably start thinking about model remodeling our strategy um, i don't know what it's going to be yet but yeah you know what, you know what's interesting is it like what you did at the patchwork theater where it became an event i think that's something approachable we have the argyle theater here in babylon village they just did a, a show called the punk rock girl and oh i saw that a, I mean, no, I, did it. I saw that that it was at, at online or whatever. Right, right. So um, they might be open to a concept thing where it's, if you think about the oxygen in the room is tribute band, tribute band, tribute band, they would probably say, eh, we don't like to do cover bands. But but if you do an event that can kind of interweave things, it could be kind of neat. I know that I went to see um, a guy named, who's going to be a future guest, Matt Marshak. He's a uh, originally a jazz player. He's from Riverhead. He's doing some country stuff now, came out with Simple Man, what have you. We saw him in 2019 at the the new My Father's Place at the Roslyn Hotel. And uh, Epi Epstein, I don't think he's doing it anymore. I think from, the rumor I heard is they were pushing, hey, we want to do cover bands. And and I might be wrong, but this is what I've heard, is that he said, no, I, that's not my brand. I, I do up and, you know, I have a history of up and comers and people going down the slope, not, not, not tribute bands. So I think he kind of backed out of it to kind of protect his band uh, brand, you know? So it's, that kind of makes sense to me because it's like um, yeah. the original, my father's place is where we used to go see the Dixie Dregs every time they came to town. And that was, oh, cool. that was exactly right. Um, it's funny. I saw Adrian Ballou do a two o'clock on a Sunday afternoon guitar clinic there once which was amazing. That was a great place, though. We would go there all the time to see, you know, whatever kind of fusion artists were in town, my, myself and the band that I was talking about earlier. Mm -hmm. um, we would do that all the time. But um, I think that, you know, as it relates to the band and stuff, we, you know, we only care to do, like I said, three, maybe four shows a year with it. And it's just for us to kind of do something different, just break out of the norm. Yeah, when you have something to strive for, when you have, quote, a show or, or that type of thing to do, it, it can be a lot of fun, particularly since you, you you have a collaborative spirit about things. You know, that that I think is key to some of the successful guys I've seen out there to be open to play with other people or try other things to mix it up, not let it get stale. Uh, kind of keeps you fresh, you know, uh, yeah. and, and keeps you sharp, especially when you start playing with other people and, and you get a different type of magical feeling between just watching what they do. At least that's, hey, this is this is a guy who strums a guitar and sings real lousy, and I really can appreciate that connectivity that I see from the audience point of view, where it's you know they're kind of a wink and a nod. It's it's kind of it's something you would yearn for, I would think. Yeah, but, it's, you know? it's it's a pretty special thing that we have. Um, yeah. I enjoy it always, and uh, we've gotten to do some really interesting things that you know we wouldn't normally be able to do without the people that we have in, in the band. And, and we, you know, as kind of that revolving door thing now, um, our original bassist, he had to rotate out cause his wife just had a baby. We had another singer in the band. Uh, she was working on getting her career started. So she kind of opted out. We brought in another girl. Mm -hmm. So um, the current lineup is, is pretty consistent now. And we're just looking to start working on putting together this year's album and trying to start finding venues to play. I just booked one yesterday 
for uh, in July for the Bayport Blue Point Heritage, Heritage Society, which is a free concert for the citizens on Middle Road in Bayport. Outdoor gig, you know, gazebo and just a nice. night, you know, just an appreciation for the citizens. Yeah. And I think after everything, people have been uh, locked up for the past couple of years is going to be well appreciated. I'm sure you're going to get uh, great enthusiasm to hear your music. We're going to take one more break, Dan. And when we come back, I want you to talk about the craziest place you've ever played or the craziest gig. I think you might know what I'm leaning towards. And uh, we'll be uh, we'll be right back. This is Steve Yusko from GigDestiny.com. We're the bridge between musicians and live venues. Come check us out. We're here to help you. Be well. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Steve Yusko from GigDestiny.com. I'm here with my new friend, Dan Donnelly. And Dan, I, you know what comes to mind? There's always those smooth gigs. Everything kind of goes together. And there are those anomalies out there that, you may say, why the heck did I do this? Or how the heck did this happen? What was the craziest time or the craziest place that, that you found yourself in gigging? Uh, that's, that's a, that's a great question because I've done all sorts of things. Um, but I think the strangest one that I've ever been involved in is I, um, I played at a wake. Um, I had, this was a Sunday night. This was my sixth gig in five days. It was my last one of the weekend. I was supposed to be having dinner at a friend's house with my wife and kids, which we went over, but then I left to go play at the gig because, you know, the wake times were seven to nine or nine 30, something like that. Mm -hmm. So I drive up, I get to the, um, the funeral home and um, I'm already anxious about this because it was just a strange thing that um, what it was, there was a, reasonably young man in his, I think he was in his like mid to late thirties who was a schizophrenic. And, um, he, the one day that he was kind of left alone, um, he, he mismanaged his medications and he wound up dying as a result of that. But the family said that this guy was a huge Bon Jovi fan and they wanted to have live music at the, the wake. So the owner of the funeral home and I are pretty good friends. So he thought of me to call first. He's like, hey, listen, I, I completely <laughs> understand if you don't want to do this. And I listened. I was like, no, no, that's fine. I said, it'll be a little weird, but you know, this is what the family wants. I'm making decent money doing it. I'm only, I only have to play like three songs because right. there's, you know, other things going on. So now here I am, I get there. I'm, I'm bring in my gear trying to be as quiet as you possibly could and you know inobtrusive and quietly set up once i'm done the funeral director comes to me gets me into their office and says all right here's here's the way we want to do this you're going to um you know we're going to say something then you're going to do these three songs but first before you do that i have to ask we're broadcasting the wake oh my god yeah, they were broadcasting the wake for the people who couldn't attend from far away. Right, right. Or webcasting, I guess it would be. Um, so I was like, uh, that's that's weird, but sure, why not? Okay. So now the three songs that they gave me to play, I don't I don't really remember what they were at this point, but I had to acousticize them because Bon Jovi's a pretty hard rocking band, you know. <laughs> right. um, to be honest with you, I'm I'm 
and no no offense to his uh, his music or his fans. I'm, I'm really not a fan, so I don't listen to the music. Okay. Um, oh, man. Talk it, about complications. Yeah. So um, I go in, and I start to play, and I play the first song. Just this eerie quietness, like nobody knew what to do. They didn't know whether <laughs> to clap or whether to, you know. And so all you hear now is the shuffling of my papers to get to the next song. And I started and I played. And then after that song, they clapped. And then I played my last song. And then as quietly as possible, packed up to go. Well, on my way out, I ran into the guy's aunt who had tears in her eyes. And she was like, that was so beautiful. So well done. Thank you so much for doing this. And then um, on my final trip out, the dad comes up to me. and He puts his arm on my shoulder. His eyes are all teary and he said to me he was like that that's exactly what he would have liked thank you so much it actually brought me to tears you know yeah sure i mean who who can refuse you know a dying man's if that was his wish or what they surmised would be his wish you can't say no you can't nah. say no. you can't say no to that but i think that was probably the strangest gig i've ever done <laughs> i'm sure there'll be more I've I've been to many. Uh, uh, I've actually run uh, as a, as a deacon many many weeks at the time, and I can tell you anything can happen. Some of the most beautiful things, and some of the most difficult difficult things, and and nobody knows how to how to act at a wake. So yeah, kudos, sure. kudos 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 for you. And and so now on the wake circuit is Dan Donnelly. So uh, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna plug a commercial to all the. Uh, the funeral homes around Long <laughs> Island, and man, we could have we could have you working like all weekend, you know, in between gigs, you know. Wow. that is the um, that is a gift, that, <laughs> gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> you never know, Dan. Uh, tell me what gigs you have coming up, where people can follow you. I, I'm sure it's Dan Donnelly. You can find him on Facebook. Is probably yeah. best place to find. Him. But what do you, what do you have coming up by the time uh, the podcast is online? Well, uh, by the time, let's see. I'm actually get, getting some time off this week and actually going away for the first time in three years which is nice so when i come back um i'll be playing at the um, on march 13th at jt's cafe for the bayport blue point st patrick's day parade after the parade and then um i'll be doing uh, the 15th march 15th at off the block kitchens and meats the 16th is flanagan's up in ronkonkoma march 17th i'll be at long ireland brewery Oh, nice. Out in Greenport, right? Uh, Riverhead, actually. Riverhead, right. Yeah, Riverhead. Yeah. I'll be at JT's Farmhouse on the 18th and at JT's Cafe again on the 19th, which I'm, now that I'm looking at it, that's a really long week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, take some throat lozenges for sure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I like that um, throat coat tea that they make. That's, that's very helpful. So people tune into this podcast. It's called The Long Island Sound. And, and Dan, you're really the flavor of what the Long Island Sound is. We were talking uh, outside of the podcast about the diversity. I mean, we're on an island of 8 million people. And there are so many places that you can find quality live music. I want to applaud all the venue operators who've been consistent with it through really difficult times. If you really want a great entertainer and a really nice guy, check out Dan Donnelly. Not that I have to fill your schedule, Dan, <laughs> or, or try to plug you. I should probably try to unplug you. But um, Yeah, my wife uh, would love that. <laughs> yeah, right. So listen, and I, I end my podcast many times. We could always account for what's in our banks and in our wallets. 
I can't always account for what time we have left. So when you give me time on this podcast, I find it uh, very valuable. So I thank you, Dan Donnelly, for your time today. I thank you for having me. I was, I'm honored to be a guest. All right, brother. Send me some more guests because it sounds like you got an interesting crew of people in your life. Oh, that? yeah, absolutely. I'd yeah. love to love them have. So till next time on the Long Island Sound, be cool, everybody. Take care. Bye. Thank you for joining us today. I appreciate the time you spent with us. Please subscribe and comment and visit us at gigdestiny.com. Till next time, be generous with your joy, keep your spirits high, and let the music take you on a journey. Be well. Peace. Thanks so much for listening. Please rate, review, and comment on the show. We really love to hear from you. And call our listener line at 631-800-3579. Again, thanks so much. Be well.